You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, it's the Roof English Podcast. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your company and thank you to my guest today making a return appearance to the podcast. It's Andre Menchenin, aviation journalist who was last here talking about the history of, well, I, I guess the entire history, I suppose, or the history, the very birth of aviation in Iceland, but specifically the domestic airport in Reykjavik. Andre, thanks very much for coming in and welcome back to the show. We want to talk today about Akureyri. Yeah, hello, Darren. Thanks for having me. Yeah, today we will talk about our northern capital, as Icelanders call Akureyri. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the story there, it's also pretty interesting. Uh, As you probably remember from our first uh, time, uh, when we were talking about Reykjavik Airport, we said that the history of aviation in Iceland actually started before airport in Reykjavik was built. Yes. And uh, even first scheduled flights started before uh, the a- airport appeared there. Uh, because uh, at first, these planes, they were uh, like ambitious planes. Uh, so they were landing just on the water in the seaport of Reykjavik. And uh, as you know, the, now the Reykjavik Airport started only in the 40s, uh, yes. much later, and it was just like 12 years after the first scheduled flight. So if we jump to the north, we will see pretty much similar uh, story there. Yeah. Now, before we get into that, it's just worth saying, if you're unfamiliar with the geography of Iceland, there are, of course, no trains in the country. Exactly. There is one road that connects Akureyri and Reykjavik. Fundamentally, that is Route 1. So And, there we, is... need, and we need to remember here that uh, when the first uh, flight started in uh, 1928, yeah. this first road, it was just a dirt road. Yes. There was yes. no asphalt or something. So uh, basically, it took not just like hours, it could take days yeah. to go from Reykjavik to Akureyri, mm. even so, though now it's like what, like between six and eight hours? Yeah, trip, I, I, I think I think with a fair wind and in decent conditions, it's maybe about six hours. But yeah. I mean, for a long time, much of Route 1 was not even tarmacked, as you say. It was a gravel surface. When we first came to Iceland, much of the east, uh, you were driving on a gravel surface. So anyway, that just sets up the importance, I guess, or the opportunities, I suppose, for aviation in a country when there weren't many alternatives. So, yeah, uh, just imagine you have this uh, small island with a difficult landscape and territory, which is uh, difficult to reach uh, by land. Uh, it can be reached by sea, but still, you know, boats are not that fast and they mm. go around. So it and, will and take... they get beached in, in Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And in the bad weather, it's impossible. Uh, and then you have this new thing, uh, travels by air. And now Aquarius can be reached not uh, through the days, but maybe through like within one hour. Yeah. yeah. And this is just totally game changer. So these first flights started in 1928. Uh, with a company which in Icelandic called Flugvillag Islands, which means airline of Iceland. And it was, as I said, first uh, seaplanes which uh, flew from Reykjavik seaport and they landed, well, or we cannot say landed because they they actually uh, touched the water there. They watered. They uh, watered, I exactly, suppose, yes. on the fjord of uh, Eyjafjord, uh, near downtown of Akureyri. Mm. And uh, but unfortunately, this first attempt of the airline of Iceland uh, it basically lived only for three years, and then something happened. We don't know exactly what, but uh, probably not enough 
Bucks flow or something, and then it just ceased. And so at this point, there is still no airport. Is there, exactly. So it was just seaplanes yeah. flying yeah. between Akureyri and Reykjavik. Okay. Then uh, next attempt uh, happened in uh, 1937, uh, and this time uh, guys called the company Flugvelag Akureyrar, which is airline of Akureyri, and. Uh, just three years after they changed it to Flugvillag Islands again, uh, even though there were no connections between these two attempts. It was mm. totally different mm. people, but they just liked the name probably. And then uh, in uh, 1944, uh, there was another line, which is a loft leather. I have a t shirt with you. You are wearing a loft leather Icelandic yes. uh, t shirt. Uh, th- this company. Very retro. This company started to fly from Reykjavik on another seaplanes. And this is probably the first time in uh, Iceland when there was some competition on domestic routes in Iceland in 1944. And so this is all commercial airlines start booming, you know. And uh, it, it was like this through the years and then uh, for example um, we know that uh, the first attempt to, like the first construction attempt in uh, Akureyri to build an airport mm. it was only in 1950s so like approximately like roughly 10 years after mm. uh, airport in uh, Reykjavik and this was completely to serve a domestic market and probably only flights to Reykjavik yeah exactly they just put some, you know, sand uh, on the on the fjord and just bu- built a runway there. And then you get they just... mud if you do that, don't you? You put sand on water. That's... Yeah, it depends how much <laughs> how much sand you put Exactly. You know, and in in Iceland, I guess you also can use some rocks. Yeah, we have yeah. many of them here, and so they started to uh, fly there with the DC three, which is a leg- legendary plane. Uh, and especially for Iceland, it has, uh, it's probably just another story mm. for next time, but uh, there's so much connections and so much meaning for Iceland for this plane from starts from World War II and up to nowadays. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so they started to fly this uh, regular flights and they just went through the years. Then, uh, as you know, the jet era of airlines started in the 70s uh, and then most of the domestic flights, they were shifted from this DC-3, which is a piston two-engine plane. Probably, uh, if you, if you even you, if you're not aviation person, and you can imagine uh, a picture of a transport plane during World War II of uh, of allies of the US in mm, particular, mm. that will be DC-3. Okay. With with another name because it's C-47, it's military designator, but it's like it looks the same exactly. And so this is iconic plane. It's totally iconic plane. And it uh, was flying for decades in Iceland between Akureyri and Reykjavik. And then they started to switch to another um, planes, uh, turboprop plane, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly hard to say. That's yes. And then <laughs> it was uh, Fokker planes, which are German planes. Yeah. But it already was like 1965. And then it was just more modern planes until 1992. So we 
in Iceland got these Dehavial Canada Dash 8 planes, which you can see now on all domestic uh, routes yeah. uh, of Iceland there. Now, I'm flying to Akareri at the end of next week, and yeah. I've, I've flown that route before, but when I booked my ticket, or when it was booked rather, I went to select my seats, and um, it was only possible to do that or get the seat I wanted in one direction at that time because a bigger plane was being used on the way back. So it's not just now, is it? If you fly to Akareri or domestically within Iceland, it used to be the case that you were always flying on very small planes, but that's that's not the case now. Bigger bigger planes are being used on occasions. Yeah, on occasion, but this pretty recent uh, policy of Icelander and uh, partly the depends on the if uh, some particular planes are on the maintenance schedule yeah. uh, or if there is some unusual demand for this particular day on this route uh, but yeah uh, nowadays you can uh, meet some jets mm. on this uh, route as well yeah and, but, and and again if anyone's not in iceland and wonders just how well connected Reykjavik is with other parts of the country there are what four or five flights a day i think between Akureyri and sometimes and even more they more. they fly in like like buses basically yeah 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 it's it's very often yeah, yeah. and also flights to Ilstadir in the east and Isafjörður in the north we might get into that in future yeah episodes. and to, to Vestman area as well yeah yeah but this isn't just a once a day thing you can you know there's regular connections now between all these places yeah exactly and this is uh so we can say that this uh, the Havel dash eight planes it's like backbone of these domestic routes right mm. now for Iceland there at least yeah uh, but yeah so uh, back to the story uh, you can say that uh, pretty much the a- airport of Akureyri it existed uh, in this in this form for decades until uh, 21st century when they started the reconstruction and they built a new terminal there and uh, and maybe until just like very recent time it just was several years ago when they actually started a new uh, stage of uh, renovation and uh, extension of the airport and uh, we can talk more about it because this is pretty interesting uh, transformation protest what is going on yes uh, so historically if we see Akureyri airport uh, was just another another domestic airport mm-hmm. which uh, was serving local uh, population there uh, mostly town of Akureyri right which is again for people who are outside of Iceland it's a pretty small town it's like about what 20,000 20,000 people yeah and compared to the capital, which is uh, roughly tw- two hundred fifty thousand, mm. if we if we take the whole, the whole area, area, greater area, area. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so, but still, it's like the second biggest town in Iceland. Yeah, and so far, it's the busiest uh, domestic route in the in Iceland. Yeah, and uh, so its role. Uh, was solely just to connect with the capital and nothing much more. But uh, in 2008-2009, when the uh, economic crisis happened in Iceland, and it was default, and Iceland uh, had to create some something new, something very different to recover from this crisis. So the government, uh, well, after some protest, as we know, uh, so, yeah. so-called uh, Pan revolution in in Reykjavik. the banging of the pots and pans yes, and yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so government decided to change uh, policy towards um, 
like foreign uh, affairs, I would say, in terms of the uh, inviting more tourists, because uh, at this moment, uh, Icelandic krona became very cheap yes. compared to other uh, like dollars or euro. And I remember being here as a tourist from the UK at that point and benefiting from the, of course. the collapse in the krona. We got very many more of them to the pound than had been the case. Exactly. So their plan, which uh, turned out to be a genius plan, uh was that to create this stopover mm. thing offer yes. uh, for tourists who travel uh, between Europe and, and the US mostly just to stop in Iceland uh, for sh- like a short stop between mm. 24 and 72 hours and have some some rest here and take a trip around a geyser and maybe to go to Akureyri. Mm. Mm. Uh, but uh, of course... Um, even though this uh, offer just rocketed and Iceland uh, was enjoying so much tourists through the years, uh, mostly it was for Reykjavik uh, area. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and made the Blue Lagoon. I mean, you'd see the Blue Lagoon filling yeah, sure. up with people who were in the country for literally six hours between their flights. Yeah, so basically yeah. this area between like Reykjavik and Keplavik yeah, is yeah, like yeah, the only yeah. area where tourists were going. Of course, it was very uh, difficult, much more difficult for them to reach Akureyri, and probably they even didn't see uh, much reason to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Many wouldn't even know of Akureyri. Exactly. Which is not unreasonable, I suppose. If you're only in the country for six hours, you're you're focusing on the bit that you're near to, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. And uh, so through the years, this Akureyri airport was just playing a very small role in mm. in, in this uh, economy policy of, of tourism. And uh, I remember, for example, in uh, 2018, I was talking with um, uh, with the director of regional airport of Isavia. Uh, Isavia is a state company which is uh, ruling all airports, managing all airports yeah. in Iceland. And uh, Jon uh, Katl Olofsson, uh, back then director of the regional airport, he was uh, telling me that uh, that when they were thinking about the airports and how managing them in Iceland, so they basically separate Keplavik from all other airports mm-hmm. because Keplavik, they run it like a normal business. It has a lot of airlines. Uh, all slots were, well, most of slots were, time slots were occupied by different airlines and the packs flow, passenger flow was uh, huge. So, so if it stood alone as a business on its own, it would be, no pun intended, it would be flying, wouldn't it? It would make money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all other airports, um, domestic airports, it was a totally different different yeah, yeah. thing and uh, we talked last time about Reykjavik but Akureyri was even in the worst condition in terms of the numbers so uh, it was impossible to do any business there and also because uh, from uh, Icelandic government perspective this airport was basically like a bus stop for locals it was not uh, considered as a tourist destination yeah, yeah. and uh, because of that for example government airport they signed only a one-year contract with the Savia to manage this airport. You can imagine. Every year, they ma- they sign contract for one year <laughs> because, I mean, what happened in one year? Uh, but no, it's just like this paper for one year and the next year they will repeat the process. And because of that short period of the contract, Savia could not even plan any, yeah. any projects, yeah. any big projects there. And uh, so this was the one of the uh, stopping factors. But then situation changed. Uh, 
just after the COVID, I would say. And there were a new plan of, of uh, developing uh, transportation infrastructure was adopted here in Iceland. And um, actually, just to go there before that, I need to mention that mm. there was one attempt in our recent years to connect Akureyri to the major uh, road network with Keflavik. It was in yeah. 2017 when Icelanders started uh, direct flights between Akureyri and Keflavik. But unfortunately, they run it only for several months. Yeah. And then they say that there's just no box flow. Well, I know a lot of tourists, well, some tourists certainly have expressed disappointment that that is not possible. That if you want to come to Iceland and you want to go to the north, and that is your focus, and I know the tourist industry in the north is very keen that people do that, you have to change planes. You have to change airports, rather, which, of course, in the southwest of Iceland is a nuisance because you've got to get from Keplavik to, to Reykjavik, to the domestic airport. If it were possible to fly into Keplavik, change planes there, and then fly to Akureyri, I think a lot of people would be interested in doing, in doing that. Exactly. Uh, I agree with you. And then... We can blame COVID for many things, but there was one good thing, uh, that during the COVID year, Icelandic government realized that because economy uh, so damaged now because yeah. of the COVID and uh, because the tourists, not, not many tourists came to Iceland, they need to give some kind of um, impulse to, uh, to recover for the tourist industry. And then they adopted this plan mm to uh, develop infrastructure. And part of this plan was to develop Akureyri Airport. And then, so they started to do that. They invested, uh, uh, they invested, for example, uh, between uh, 500 and 600 million of Icelandic uh, kroner, mm -hmm. which is roughly between 3.5, 4.2 million of US dollars, mm -hmm. which is a huge sum yeah. for, for Iceland, for two airports in Akureyri and Elistadir. And... Uh, Elistadir is in the east of the country. Our eastern part yeah. of the island. You know, we, in every part of Iceland we have a, a capital. <laughs> <laughs> so Reykjavik is not an only capital in, in Iceland. Uh, well, it's a joke, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, they're, they're, no one in Ailstad would disagree with the idea that yeah, they are exactly. the capital of the east of Iceland. If you ask local people yeah, there, yeah, they would yeah. totally agree with you. Like Reykjavik, yeah, it's somewhere very far, <laughs> but maybe like 10 hours driving by car, just yeah. on another planet. Yeah. And um, But anyway, so in Akure, the, uh, there was one of the demand from the airlines, because of course there were a lot of talks with the airlines to invite them to fly directly to Akureyri, not to Keplavik, and they need to, to invite airlines with something good, like mm. what they can uh, offer there. And there were several things that they actually managed to do that, uh, but one of the first demands for, from airlines were to renovate uh, navigation equipment in Akureyri. And to be honest, this is one of the main headache for... Uh, such small airports as the regional airports in Iceland. Yeah. Because to make plane land in the bad weather, in particular in bad visibility, there are several uh, ways how to do this. And uh, one of the first ways mm. was just to put a radio beacon on the, on the end of the runway 
And so the receiver in the plane can find this uh, signal from this beacon and just fly towards this beacon. And voila, at some point it will appear on the runway. And then you just put this, the uh, second beacon for the trajectory, how to descend the plane to the particular place on the runway. And this is how you get a precision uh, landing system. Okay. It's not, it's not something like, a, it's not like a rocket science, the first kind of this system appeared in 1946, just after World War II, but still, of course, they were developing through the years. Uh, but this system now, it costs just all money of uh, in the world. It, it's very, it's like, if you look at it from perspective of the regional airport, is just maybe several budgets, yeah, year budgets, yeah. to, re to renovate it. And unfortunately, you need to renovate it every several periods, uh, every several years. Then, when Aquarius Airport uh, faced this kind of demand from the airlines, because, of course, they wanted to, we all know the weather in Iceland, yeah. so these airlines, they wanted a guarantee that they can reach the airport even in a bad visibility, so they will earn money there. And then they demand to set up this landing system. And uh, so it actually was set it up, but it took... Well, I remember when I just came in Iceland, uh, several years before that, there were already talks that setup of this system mm -hmm. was discussed for maybe like five, seven years. So it just took uh, almost a decade only to discuss if yes. or, and how but, to set up this system. But that isn't, is, is, sorry, is that why there are delays now when it comes to the expansion of Akureyri Airport? Because there were construction issues as well, weren't there, with the actual So they, So they set, set this system mm -hmm. in, uh, in 2020. Yeah. And, but again, uh, probably it's not the time to dive there deeply in this issue, but they not set it in a particular way it's it's not that good now so it's not that precise as it can be because they they put it a bit offset from the landing course because of the because of the local structure and seaport of aquarii so it's not it's not pointing towards the runway exactly okay so it's not that good as it could be but anyway and then they decided that um uh also terminal building of course uh, if you were in Akureyri, you remember there's a pretty small building there. Yes, it's yes. only it's only maybe for like uh, I don't know like th maybe 50 people best uh, departing from Akureyri, and if you put yeah. like 100 people, it will be already not much. Yes. I mean, it looks place. like a small-ish domestic regional airport, exactly. which is what it is. Yeah. So imagine if there is a uh, some kind of Boeing jet flies there. And it can take up to 200 people, let's say. Yeah. So it will be just a crisis if if all these 200s will be accommodated in this uh, small building. Yes. Uh, they, they will be just packed there. And what if there will be not one plane, but two planes? Then it will be just, everything will be stuck. So they decided in Akureyri uh, to extend the airport as well. Mm -hmm. And the construction process started. But of course, when you start to extend the airport uh, building, we need to look to your electrical systems, to your yeah. other all support systems. So it's actually turned out to a massive renovation project and it's still going on. Yeah. It's not finished yeah, yet. Yeah. And uh, well, a lot of money were invested there. And then they, of course, wanted already somehow to uh, to start, you know, uh, to get it back this money, so yes. to earn money back with the with the airlines. 
And uh, well, so- if I can jump in there, because that takes us to an interesting place. It, you will have been aware, doubtless, over the last couple of months of, of two separate airlines for different reasons, no longer planning to serve Akureyri Airport in the way that they were going to internationally. So yeah. you're nice, let's do them separately. So Nice Air, firstly, which had been operating mm-hmm. in and out of Akureyri, suddenly cancelled all of its flights because it no longer had access to its plane. Now, what do we know of what happened there and what and what's likely to happen? Well, if we jump to Nice Air's story, yeah. this is a very interesting case, actually. And I was following from the very beginning. Uh, I was talking with uh, Thorvaldur Sigurjonsson, who is a CEO of this uh, airline, which yeah. is actually not an airline, but I will explain it in a bit. Okay. And uh, yeah, he is uh, pretty famous in the aviation community in Iceland because before Nice Air, he was already managing uh, several aviation projects. And, uh, for example, uh, he's a CEO, well, before Nice Air, he used to be CEO of the uh, Circle Air, which is just a small airline for tourists, uh, yeah. just flying based in Akureyri. And so- sometimes they fly from Reykjavik with a tourist, a group of tourists as well, with a small plane. But, yeah, so when this project started, uh, people in Akureyri just thought, okay, because all these foreign airlines, they really need to be invited there like they need like we need to make them mm-hmm. to come to Akureyri. So what if we will start from another end? What if we make our own airline and when because we know that it can be for like for everyone better if we start just to fly yeah. from Akureyri and internationally we're talking exactly, about. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Of course because like inside Iceland there's uh, no pax flow which I mean like we don't have that much in in like internal tourism, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, so Iceland, uh, sorry, not Iceland. Nicer, nice, 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 nice. was running international flights. One was to the UK that stopped almost immediately because of Brexit-related difficulties. But there were flights running to Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. The UK flight never did return, did it? But it was scheduled to before all the flights were cancelled. So, so what so happened with Nice? They had three destinations. It was Copenhagen, yes, yep. London, uh, Stansted Airport, and uh, of course Tenerife. And Tenerife as well, yeah. Because Tenerife has special place in the heart of every Icelander. Yeah. And uh, so the story of Nice Air. Uh, it's actually a phenomena, a pretty recent phenomena in the aviation business, which is called virtual airline. And to explain this, I I will go to this metaphor. Imagine that you have a shop, just a grocery shop, and uh, you sell some food there and grocery. But then you think, hey, I wanna to to send some to sell some kind of pasta, but with the same name as the shop. Let's say the name of the shop will be Iceland. So you wanted to sell Iceland pasta. Okay. But of course, you you have no pasta factory for that. <laughs> and you're not going to produce any pasta. What yeah. what do you do? You just call some kind of pasta factory, which can be even outside the country, doesn't matter. And just make an, put an order there. Yeah. So they will uh, they will make a whole like package with all your uh, branding and everything. It will say Iceland pasta. Uh, it will be in the same colors as your shop, and it will say everything like Icelandic pasta exclusive and stuff like that. Doesn't matter, but it will be produced somewhere in UK maybe yeah. I don't know or in in uh, Norway, and then it was just imported to Iceland. 
to your shop and mm-hmm. then you just put it on the shelf and say, yeah, this is my pasta, which I am uh, okay. selling and producing. So this is, uh, it's actually pretty common. Uh, you can find this kind of uh, products in many shops. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So what, what happened with this airline? Uh, a group of people there, a group of investors, mm. and they're mostly from uh, tourism uh, companies in Akureyri. They gathered together, and uh, Thorvaldur was among them, and they decided... This is the CEO of, of myself. Yes, yeah, yeah. and they decided, okay, how much does it cost to rent a plane? To rent a plane. Yes. Okay, not to buy one, to rent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to buy, it's like very like different yeah. universe. <laughs> so, to just to rent a plane... And uh, because with this renting plane, you don't need, for example, uh, a lot to go through a lot of bureaucracy. You don't need to obtain all kind of licenses which uh, normal airlines have. Yeah. No, you just put your sticker on top of it. It will be nice air, yeah. good name, uh, and then you will sell flights. On the tickets which you get, which you selling, it's all, everywhere. It says nice air. Yes. And people who buy it, who are not maybe uh, such nerds in aviation as me, they just think, okay, this is a new Icelandic airline, something similar to Icelander or or Play or, you know, any other airline. Uh, And then they just go to the plane. Okay, plane have some registration. It's not Icelandic registration. You can see it by the registration number on the tail. It starts with 9H which for every aviation nerd exactly says, uh, immediately says it's registered in Malta. Okay. And then you're like, okay, whatever. If, if it deliver me to the place, to London, then it's not a problem. And you fly to London, and you, of course, next day you want to fly back. And then you're stuck because your plane is not uh, allowed to fly. And then you're stuck there, but why? And here we need to dig deeper in the story. And it's actually about more bureaucracy. And it's all mostly thanks to Brexit for the flights to the London. OK, so we'll start there because the flight did make the first flight went to London. Yes. And then couldn't fly back. At least it couldn't fly back with passengers. Exactly. And this was some time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at the very beginning of the of the. Right. Uh, so so let airline. let's start with so tell me why that happened and then we'll get into why Nice Air isn't operating at all from Akure. So so that London flight then, which made it once to the UK but didn't make yeah. it back. So the story there, uh, because the actually the airline which were performing all these flights, it's not Icelandic airline. Moreover, it's not the UK airline. Yeah, it's not British airline. So which airline this? It is. Uh, so there's this kind of business in in the world uh, for some airlines, which uh, just provide it's called wait list mm-hmm. planes, which basically means they sell you the whole package of the service. They give you the plane, they give you the crew, you can uh, they give you uh, catering. Is that all included too? Or? Well, yeah, catering that not that <laughs> might be important part no. from from the aviation perspective business. Even though I I can I can uh, agree with you that it's maybe the most important part from the passenger's perspective. Can, can be yeah. can be yes <laughs> can be. Uh, but from the aviation, uh, especially from the aviation bureaucracy, aviation authority perspective, the most important things is is registration of the plane, uh, airline license, and uh, who owns the plane, uh, and uh, so and where the airline is registered means which rights it has. Okay. So in this case, we had a Icelandic 
quote, airline, unquote, using a Maltese plane, flying to a country that wasn't even in the single market, never mind the European Union, that being the UK. So you've got Iceland in the, in the EEA, Malta's in the EU, the UK's in neither. And uh, so basically what we have, we have uh, an airline from Malta flying uh, on a plane registered in Malta with a crew from all over the European Union yeah. serving some flights from Aquarelli Airport to some destinations, including London, which would be a completely a normal thing before the Brexit. Yeah. But Brexit changed everything because uh, after the Brexit, UK had to sign a new agreement with uh, every country for the airlines. And with Iceland, it says, yes, any Icelandic airline can fly to the UK. But the most important part there, every Icelandic airline. And Nicer is not an airline. And High Fly, who performed the flight, mm. it's not an Icelandic airline. So this was the problem. Because British authorities says, okay, we do not provide this kind of rights yeah. to the airline from Malta to serve the flights from the UK to Iceland. Okay. So this was a Brexit problem, a problem that would not have arisen if Brexit hadn't happened. Why wasn't it spotted? I'm not the person who's supposed to answer <laughs> that. <laughs> but anyway, so so in that particular case, as we said, the flight went back empty, didn't it, to Iceland? Yeah, and uh, all passengers of Nice Air had to be transported back by uh, another line. I think it was Icelander, wasn't it? And I think they went to Keplavik, didn't they? And then they'd be yeah, flown yeah, yeah, probably yeah. from Reykjavik. So, yeah, so yeah. that was a, a real hassle for them. That's last year, that Brexit-related problem. It's interesting that they started yeah. something like around March, I guess. Okay. So they existed about for one year. And that is an issue that we thought had been dealt with because NICEAIR were planning to resume, I think, in October, flights to London. But as we know, NICEAIR, for different reasons to the ones we've discussed, is now not flying at all from Akureyri. So what has happened to cancel all of those flights because there there is no service now with NICEAIR from, from Akureyri. Is that also related to the fact that they don't own their plane? So it's also depend. It's also like the reason uh, is deeply hidden in these uh, relations between the brand NICEAIR, the airline, the owner of the plane because right. HiFly and actually it's daughter company HiFly Malta uh, because HiFly originally is, uh, if I remember correctly, from Portugal. So it's just daughter company, High Fly Malta. They do not own the plane. And it's a completely normal thing because in mm. many airlines in the European Union and all over the world, there is a very rich lesser company who actually owns the plane. And then they just rent, they just give it uh, for use to different airlines time to time. And it's very uh, easy for airlines as well because yeah. let's say if, uh, if the demand... Uh, just decreases uh, very fast, like because of the COVID or something. They have no headache of like selling planes. They just can return it to lesser and say like, yeah, we don't need it anymore. You can take it back. And that's it. It's very easy for them. There is a story in this chain of the economic relations. There is a, a, a passenger of Nicer who wants to fly to Akureyri or from Akureyri, who pays money to Nicer, buying tickets from Nicer with Nicer logo on it, then Nice Air has to pay to actual airline who performed the fly. In this case, it was High Fly Malta. Then High Fly Malta, from this money, has to pay to the owner of the plane. 
And now what we were uh, seeing, it was some kind of disruption in this chain of the events. Yeah. So we can assume that passengers paid their money to NICER. Then what happened next, there are two different versions. Yes. From a NICER perspective, they say they paid necessary money to Highfly Malta. So Highfly Malta would pay to the to the owner of the plane. Then Highfly Malta actually said that they didn't get the money from NICER, so they were not uh, able to pay for the plane. And then the owner of the plane just took the plane, they grounded the plane because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. didn't get money for that plane monthly or maybe for even longer and period. And NICER have said, well, they've said many things, but they've also said that they are not bankrupt. This isn't about them being bankrupt. Well, this is... basically, they they just run out of planes. Yeah, they, so they've, they've got money, but no planes. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's what's happened. It's, it's, and, it's, it's and, a different and, reason. And, and, yeah. and we are a little bit pushed for time, but is there any sign of a, of a conclusion to that or a resolution? Do we know what's going on? So happen? I can say, uh, even though NICER seems to be a failure from, from like today, I can say it was a very good experiment. It uh, proved many things. First of all, that it can be uh, started an airline from Akureyri yes. with a group of investors and there is demand and uh, it can be one of the driver uh, reasons for Akureyri Airport to to be extended and developed further. Yes. And uh, I think uh, Thorvald or maybe someone else, as we know from a history of the Akureyri Airport, even though first attempt is a failure and second is a failure, there can be third, which then yes. will last for decades. And again, you would hope that this particular problem with this particular airline and this particular plane owner can, can still be solved. Just a very, very brief word, because it's, again, a, a different set of issues, but just a tiny couple of words on Condor, who are another airline who have cancelled their flights from Akureyri, but also from Eilstadler as well. And this came certainly as a surprise to people who had bought tickets and were expecting to fly, I think, later this summer. Obviously, they'll be refunded or they'll be placed on different airlines or whatever. But briefly on that, that's another airline that for different reasons is not now flying from from Akureyri. Well, for the charter airlines and uh, such as we call them holiday airlines, as a a Condor and many many others... uh, there is uh, can be a bunch of reasons why they did that. There can be just uh, well, we we can assume that uh, Iceland maybe not that uh, popular mm. destination right now, or maybe it's just compared to the other destinations in the network of Condor that they just needed more planes for the summer. Let's say they have some. Uh, rocketing demand for I don't know Africa or whatever yeah. or maybe Palma de Mallorca or whatever. So they just need all these planes there. Sure. So, so th- th- that's why they decided just to to okay. to you know rearrange it. Whatever happens with both of those airlines, there is increasing demand certainly to fly to and from Akureyri. Eilstadler as well. We might discuss that in a future episode. But international flights basically into and out of Iceland in places that aren't Keplavik. That's going to be a growth area, isn't it? Finding different places to come in and out of the country. I'm pretty sure it will be a focus for the government as well yeah. for the for the next yeah. decades. Yeah. And this there, we will see, I think, many more projects in this okay. direction. Andre, thank you very much for your time. And thank you as well for coming in on your birthday today. Sure. I very much appreciate that. So, Til, having you 
uh, to you. A very happy birthday. And, thank uh, you. Thank you for guiding us through the history of Akureyri Airport, but also the future of it as well, I think it's fair to say. That's uh, Andre Menchenin, aviation journalist, joining me today on the Rouve English podcast. And, of course, you can get in touch with us anytime by email english at ruv.is. Find us on Twitter and on Facebook as well. You are listening to the Roof English Podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.